Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Here is the sports editor for the Omaha World Herald, Sam McEwen. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sam McEwen. Ah, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna throw the ball, and you just stand back there and throw us where you want to go. You know that kind of thing. Sam McEwen. Are you guys going? Um, sure. Now, Sam McEwen. Top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. Happy to have you with us. On this President's Day, and uh, happy to have Sam McEwen on, as we do every Monday. Uh, he is the sports editor and Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World Herald and Husker Extra. Sam, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good, hey, Sam. We are good feeling morning. good on this Monday morning, or at least I think we are. Yeah, feeling good. <laughs> uh, Sam, busy weekend just all around. Uh, what, what got your attention most from this weekend? Oh, last night. Uh, that was that was a lot of that was a lot of fun for people who were there, um, including me. I think uh, that was that was a that was a big big win for Nebraska. I, I, I thought that 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 one and the Michigan State one um, were going to be tough, and and they were able to pick that one up last night. I think they played uh, really hard down the stretch, and you know I think the crowd got to Maryland a little bit. Um, it was a great crowd, and so yeah, absolutely. That was the that was the moment um, that that I think was memorable from the weekend, and and it's, it's fun to have a team winning some games. You know, that's not something that Nebraska athletics has consistently done in the new year, and so it's 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 a surprise that it's the men's basketball team, and it's a pleasant. One. Hey Sam, I know. Listen, I I don't need to further validate the excellence that you've done at your job but again a couple weeks ago you did say 14 was the number and i said 14 and 16 that would be amazing sam they're currently 14 and 14 with a few to go mm-hmm. they they exceed what i thought at the time was lofty as i do think a lot of our listeners did when you calmly said it so I given that even you have to be the surprise that they're at 14 with some room to go. I am. Yeah, I I uh I thought they would would lose yesterday. I I did. I I think Maryland's a tough matchup for for some of the reasons that materialized during the game. Um but Nebraska played really well. I mean, they played great defense in the first half. I I think Maryland was a little hesitant or confused. I'm not sure what they, what was going on in the first half of that game, but but when they kind of caught you know fire and then they had that run, I'm like, well, this is probably it. This is a game where Nebraska falls, you know, four to six points short, um, plays hard but doesn't win. But at the end of the game, Nebraska found a way. I mean, they they rallied. They made a couple of plays late. Um, you know, Walker got to the hoop. 
in Maryland settled for a bad shot at the end. I, you know, I, I'm not sure why they did, but they did. And then in overtime, you know, once Casey hit that three, I thought it was going to be hard for, I thought it was going to be really hard for Nebraska to, to lose. And, uh, you know, then Sam made that play, and, and here we go. They So they have kind of a week off, and now they play Minnesota on Saturday. They should win, although watch that game. It's not going to be easy as people think. Minnesota's got some talent. And then the big one is Michigan State, and if they win that one, they got a real shot at the NIT, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Sam, what – from what could have been to what can still be, what do you think has been the biggest motivating force for this group down the stretch of the season? Casey, making threes. Um, this is a team that I think really needed somebody to make some shots. They just needed some good things to happen on offense because they had played so hard on defense and then they lost their their two best defensive players. Casey, making threes, I think, has been the has been the difference. He scored 30 against Penn State. When they're down 17 against Wisconsin, he hits two threes in a row to get it to 11. And since then, he's been you know, pretty unstoppable. So Maryland did a great job of defending him yesterday, by the way. They they did a terrific job. That's a great defensive team. And they got a chance to go to the Sweet 16, Maryland does, because they play defense. Mm. Uh, but, you know, Kese is uh, – that's the reason. I mean, you know, and, and, and I don't want to. I don't want to diminish anyone else's contribution. Sam Hoiberg's been great. Blaze Keat has been great. But if you're talking about the primary thing, it's him. You know, it's it's making three point shots. It's how about creating, Derek Walker cutting it's, down it's, it's on those the, careless turnovers? Because I think how about D Walk kind of cutting down on those careless turnovers? Like, I don't want to undersell the fact he's taken a little bit better care of the basketball these last handful of games too, and I and I. That along with Tomonaga's emergence and kind of basketball IQ, because he's gotten more two-point field goals, which I think is a testament to how they're training. But Walker's taking better care of the basketball, too. He is. Sam's playing better. Griezel, uh, you know, he's controlling the game more. Steady Eddie. Controlling the pace of the game. Um, they're doing a good job of getting him in back-down situations where he can either go to the, go to the hoop or he can uh, – distribute out of that um he's gotten a couple of transition baskets in each game where he beats the other team down the floor uh for you know two or four easy points Derek's played well um certainly Derek is 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 the best player on the team uh, perhaps by some margin uh and he had an incredible game yesterday um so credit to him and, and you know he's been he's been good all season long and, and in a very difficult Role where he has to not only play post defense against pretty good posts, including the guy yesterday, um, but he also has to be sort of the offensive initiator. So, no question, Derek Walker is the best player on the team. Um, what Casey has been able to do has opened up some of those cutting lanes. So now they can't just leave him out there. Uh, you know, they got to go guard him, and the minute they have to go guard him 26 feet out on the floor, he can get behind people, and we've seen that now. You know, and he gets to the rim, and he has worked and worked and worked on making those shots because you don't make those shots by accident. And Sam, so he's really good around the rim. Sam, let me ask you something because kind of even in passing over the last couple of weeks, um, we've talked Illinois. We've talked the prowess of Indiana. We've talked about Michigan State has Izzo. You just referenced Maryland as – uh, a potential Sweet 16 caliber team. We know about Purdue and their quad one wins. 
I'm on this other little team out there in Evanston. I've kind of said this for about three or four NW. weeks. Pre the COVID break, I said to Andrew, I said, I think Northwestern is pretty good. I wasn't sure why. I'm still not sure why. I just know they are. What are we missing with Northwestern? Or do you believe? Well, they've got a. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. They're second in the Big I Ten. I think they're think 20 and 7. Yeah. Yeah. They, they definitely can win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament. I think one is probably the appropriate estimate. Um, well, anytime you got two guards who are as good as those two guys are. Adij and Bowie? You can't. Yeah. And you can't. Dude, Barry's pretty good. You know, both of them can score. And, and both of them can isolate and late in the shot clock and make plays. Um, I think they've got a good chemistry and cohesion. Again, this is going to sound odd, but they don't have to worry about Pete Nance getting his shots. <laughs> no, I um, do. Okay. At, uh, you know? Yeah. Oh, like it's, <laughs> so they're so there's, bad. There's something to be said for, for paring yourself down who you need to be you know and sometimes you can have too many guys or you can you can be too worried about getting somebody going um i think one of the great things about nebraska's current team is they don't really care who scores you know case they're, they're willing to let case they do that um but they also don't care you know uh and i think at northwestern they've got two scores and the other guys are content to just do whatever the hell they have to do to win which i think is is helpful um Maryland may have one too many scores. That may be part of their issue. Is they're always trying to figure out who to who to throw the ball to. Um, Indiana similarly is you know has a definition. I mean they know who they're going to go, know who's getting the ball late in the shot clock, and and Trace Jackson Davis. And so I like teams that have clear definition as to who's going to get the ball and who's going to be counted upon. And I think Northwestern has that. You know, conversely, the Nebraska women again, that's a team that probably needs to be driven. By one player, Jazz, and that player is very unselfish. Yeah, and and you know, there's times when it would be much better off if they had one fewer score on the floor, and they were just required to rely on her. And if she didn't make a shot, go get a rebound. But I think sometimes they're so who should get the ball in this position? It that that in some ways you end up launching up a bunch of shots that don't go in. This is crazy. A month ago, this was in December, so it was longer than that. Um, Andrew and I argued, debated over whether she would embrace the scorer's role because it's just not in her disposition, mm -hmm. even though she can score the basketball. Like, I just don't think that's as easy a button to hit as people think. And, not, you're not used to it. and maybe I'm a little biased because I want that in my own house. You know, I want him to score more. It's just not in his temperament. I just don't think it's that easy for her, Sam. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, like, I haven't covered the team in depth this year, um, so I don't want to, you know, over to what my analysis is. Obviously, they've lost a bunch of games in a row, and that's concerning to a bunch of people. But I think uh, it, it's just, and this has kind of been true of a lot of Amy's teams, like, they just have, they're trying to set up so many different players, it seems like sometimes, that, again, you don't necessarily have a clear identity. They want to get the ball in the post. 
They want to get the ball up the floor. They want to try to score in there. Then they want to try to hit threes outside. Um, sometimes I feel like they try too hard to get the ball into the post. Uh, more screening, more driving would be good. It didn't necessarily have to be jazz, but um, I just think it's uh, when you watch that team, you Shelly's had some incredible scoring games this year, and they've almost been, well, she hit some threes, and she happened to catch a pass and hit a bunch of threes in a row. Like, it's not in the it's not in the it's not like Caitlin Clark. And Caitlin Clark isn't it is a good score, but she's not as efficient as people think she is. But what she's really good at is being really consistent at being exactly who she is. And so if she hits a couple of those long threes, then all of a sudden people come out and then she goes and she distributes to her teammates. And so what Iowa's done is they've defined their team as Caitlin's gonna go score. She's gonna miss some shots. But she's going to make some shots, and then she's going to she's going to have ten assists off of that, and then her teammates are going to complement and supplement that. Mm. And that's a good identity for that team to have. When Caitlin goes to the WNBA, she's going to average about seventeen points a game. That she's not there. Nobody, nobody in the WNBA is going to let her shoot thirty times a game. That's not going to happen. But in college, it's a really good identity for that team to have, even if she's a little bit inefficient, because they understand who they're playing through at all times. And it works for Iowa. And, and I think there are just times when, you know, what you'd love to see at Nebraska is something very similar with Jazz. That not that she would shoot it 22 times a game, but that they would just say, hey, this is our best player. Everything's going to go through her. And whatever happens off of that is whatever happens. But we're going to have a clear identity when we go out on the floor, and everybody's going to work around that. Sam, it's funny that you bring up Caitlin Clark in that regard with the WNBA because DB and I off air just off, had I that mean, just, just got into that about talk. plus minus and how the WNBA would look a lot different uh, than uh, than her college game. But you know, I, I want to ask you this because we talk all year long about how Piscataway is the place that basketball teams go to die. When you go to play Rutgers, it's like it's not going to go well. But this past month, you can say the same thing about Pinnacle Bank Arena. And you know what's crazy, too, is you look at a, a 500 or below Nebraska football team, and you're going to get the support. But you don't always look at a 500 Nebraska basketball team and think that they are just going to pack that yeah, place and make it a granted. dangerous yeah. place to play. What about like this fan base and this team and coordination with one another is making Pinnacle Bank this place for teams to go to die right now. They're just dying for a winner. Well, it's it's not an easy place to play. Um, it's it's a pretty well con- conceived arena, at least from a noise standpoint. Um, there's other things <laughs> that are imperfect, but but it's very well conceived to watch a basketball game once you get to your seat. And Nebraska fans have always been really supportive and really loyal to that basketball program. People want to, the team to be very good. They, you know, they used to be able to get ten thousand fans at Devaney back when it was rough. I mean, Devaney now is pretty darn nice. You go back, you know, twelve years, and it was not nice. It was it was cobwebs on the doors and all kinds of stuff. So um, they've always been supportive of the program. I think there's a lot of basketball fans in the state. Uh, there's a lot of baseball fans in the state too, um, so I think I think people want to. And then of course, hey, it's the power of a weekend afternoon. It's it's not Sunday at six. It's it's not Monday at eight. It's it's uh, you know Saturday uh, last against Wisconsin, and then it was 
uh, you know, Sunday at 4, we knew there was going to be a big crowd in there because, you know, people either had their, their late lunch or their early dinner, and then they came to town. So it was a lot of fun. It was a good crowd. You know, I, I haven't been to every Nebraska men's basketball game since No Sit Sunday, but I'd say that was a top seven crowd since No Sit Sunday, and other people might correct me, but I think that it was up there. And, and when Matt Rule did the fist pump, right before um, – Maryland's final possession of regulation, He they put him on this camera, and, and he, he apparently knew it was on him. And he kind of came forward with one of these let's go, and the fans really lost it. I mean, it was that was the loudest crowd, that was the loudest cheer of the game. And it helped that final possession. I think it, you know, Jameer Young was a great player. Man, he's great. Um, but he got a little disoriented, I think. And, and, and so as a result, it was a little bit of a, uh, a, an advantage. Yeah, it's a great crowd, and, and it was a good crowd yesterday. That was a that was a fun one. Um, one of the better crowds I've seen since No Sit Sunday for sure. Hey Sam, let me ask you something. How do you buoy? Um, <laughs> boo buoy? <laughs> yeah. How do you boo buoy? <laughs> like when you're covering stories, and sometimes you have intimate knowledge. Either you've either watched or spent time or talked to people that know, and then you see th- things covered nationally from an attention standpoint. How do you balance kind of what you know and what you think versus what the perception of the story is, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm asking like Yeah, it does. Like how do you how do you balance that? Do you just not talk about it as much? Do you get into the fray? Do you say, "Hey, that's a cool story," but like how does Sam McEwen handle the reality versus perception in coverage? It probably depends on the story, you know, and and so, like, it, but there are circumstances where the national media will have its own perspective, and that's not necessarily always wrong or completely wrong. Like, I think there's times when, you know, the impression that has been gathered is pretty accurate. Um, You know, I think, I think most of the Impression from the Nebraska football era under Scott Frost is, boy, that thing went bad. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> so, you know, there's moments like that. I, I, I think sometimes you're just you're going to have some stories where um, they're going to sensationalize it or hyperbolize it, or they're going to create what we call binaries, right? So this idea that it's, oh, yeah. Yeah. You're, it's either yes or no. It's either 100% this or 0% this. It's either greater than or lesser than, and that's going to sort of define the story. Um, and that, you know, that usually there's there's a lot more nuance to most stories than that. Like I, I could I could offer you know nuances to why Nebraska football struggled under Scott Frost that maybe isn't as simple as you know the Golden Boy failed. Um, you know, I would probably add, well, you know, not everybody felt the same way about Scott when he came back. So most of the people did, but not everybody. And there were weaknesses there when he came in, like all those things that you can do. But um, you try to you try to be balanced in your in your approach. And simultaneously, you know, there can be times when when you overdo it, like when it's like, yeah, you know what, the, the, the general arc of the story, it probably is more or less what it is, and you can get into all of the details, and, and you probably end up at the same place as the, as the general conclusion. Um, there could be situations like with elections where people are like, well, let's drill down into this very specific detail in, in this 
in this quadrant of a precinct. And then you zoom back out and you say, well, they won because of uh, this group, you know, because of this. And they won by nine points. So at the end of the day, a lot of that didn't matter. Like, and, it, and it's generally true. Sam, roster creation and player development, X's and O's and culture. That's the blueprint of rules focus. How would you rank those uh, in terms of importance or priority? Well, Matt Rule kind of laid them out. I, I'll, I'll, the sense I got from him is that culture and player development and roster creation were 1 and 1A, one and then the X's and O's were a little bit behind them. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, not, not, that the statistics, not that schematics aren't important, but that uh, you have to find, you've got to get good players. Then you have to create a system that develops them. And we got a lot out of the interview with Rule. I will, uh, I'll go more into depth at some point about how he talked about Baylor, in Texas and what he thought he needed to do at Baylor in the short time that he was there to have them be competitive with Texas and the kinds of players they recruited versus the kinds of players that Texas got and why they thought over the course of two or three years they could make up the gap. And a lot of that has to do with development, not recruiting. Um, Recruiting is acquisition of talent. Development is improvement. And they've got a system that they think works to develop players not only uh, you know their physical skill set but their ability to perform when it really matters and I think that's that's really important to him. Um, those are the two most important things, and then you have X's and O's, and, and of course those are great. But I think Nebraska is going to run kind of a pro style offense that you know at times will look really cool and at times will be frustrating to Husker fans. I I don't know if it'll be a full on pro style, but they're going to do some stuff, and you're going to be like, why are they doing that? You know, it, it, you're, you're not going to think that you're watching Andy Reid. Hey, Sam, let me get you out of here on this. this. This is on the heels of the winter conditioning video and the snow. And listen, uh, full disclosure, this is a former player and a coach and just a, a general uh, football fan, right? I wouldn't want to be out there. I know that that's tough. That's a tough workout. I, I also know that there's something to getting acclimated to conditions where your body has to become accustomed to it. Remember, we were the fame teams that couldn't wear sleeves, right? So I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I really appreciate the ability to, to function in the elements and, and build camaraderie. Why can't we have nice things in the off season though? Right? Like, if we know that these videos are coming, do we just – is it just human nature to feel compelled to have to comment or – why can't we have nice things? <laughs> um, well, social media today. I mean, that's that's what's happened. I hate always asking you the levity culture. questions, but sometimes I just need to know that I'm not crazy. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's social media today, and it's that's what's happened in our culture the last seven to eight years. Um, now, it's not entirely bad. Like, I think for the first time in, I don't know, human history, we have a better sense of how many, many individuals feel, and we never would have known that before because they didn't own a printing press. And so we know some things about people now, and that's okay. And, like, you know, I think what we've learned, and it's, it's tricky to, to navigate, is the full range of people's thoughts and, thoughts and feelings on a variety of things related to Nebraska football. 
Matt Rule is actually attuned to those things. He's, he's talked about how, you know, sensitive he, he, he understands the players are now and the kinds of stuff they have to deal with. And I know there was at least one former Husker that was making a, a comment about those workouts on, <laughs> on Twitter. Um, but I think it was just based on trying to be competitive and trying to have fun. Like, I don't know that it was – I don't know that they were out there for two hours. I think they're just trying to get the heart going and trying to have a little bit of fun and then move on with the day. I, you know, I think what Nebraska is trying to do is create a competitive culture of, of kids that, that know how to, that, that keep track of winning and losing at all times. And that's something that I think Nebraska needs to think about doing because they haven't won very much. Sam, appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much. We'll talk again next week. Take care. Thanks, Sam. Hey, more coffee and cream next.